It has been another great week in Anderson, and on this week's Anderson Deserver podcast, news from people you trust, we have minute work building a better future, election filing ends for the county council seat that became vacant when Gracie Floyd passed, the Rainbow Gang brightens our community, public hearings, county council meetings, and a busy schedule at the Arts Center, that and more, and it has been a busy winter week in Anderson. It's been cold, rainy for the most part. It looks like rain again this week, maybe a little ice mixed in there. And that's leaving a lot of people counting down the days to spring, which is now only 33 days away as I record this. Uh, let's get to the most recent virus news out of the way. Uh, weather issues at shipping hubs have left the entire country short on vaccines. That includes ANMED, which had to reschedule early vaccine appointments this week until later in the week. Uh, but everybody did get rescheduled, and we hope that shortage of shots catches up quickly because people are really waiting to get those shots and there are people of the state house pushing to open it up for vaccinations for teachers and daycare workers but with short supplies though that's a good sentiment we might need to wait till we get the vaccines enough for the older folks and the at-risk citizens and the other essentials uh, before we make it make sense to inoculate um, and provide vaccines for teachers and daycare workers but they do need to jump in the line right after those folks they are doing free daily testing if you have any symptoms out of the anderson county health center uh, so if you're exhibiting any of those you want to get tested and anderson county has now posted 19,000 cases of, of covid 19 and more than 1,000 of those have happened in the past week so uh Hope we can all push past the weariness and continue to wear a mask, practice social distancing, wash hands until we can figure out how to turn the corner on this pandemic. Uh, a few quick notes from this past week. City Council last week met and they continued their never-ending city and counties challenge of keeping up with sewer and wastewater projects and they approved a series of expenditures for those projects. And Anderson County Councilman Kyle Newton uh, recapped the meeting for the Anderson Observer. All right, uh, today uh, we did a couple different things on City Council. Um, this was our February 8th meeting, our first meeting in February. As you know, we're celebrating Black History Month. Uh, we had four items on the agenda, a little bit of old business that we had actually sent to the Planning Commission. They sent back and unanimously recommended that we uh, approve an ordinance to amend Section 14.5 of our zoning ordinance. Uh, essentially, all that's going to do is uh, essentially raise the minimum floor elevation for new single-family dwellings to 12 inches above grade. Uh, that's great. Uh, it kind of improves aesthetics really without making uh, an impact on affordability. So that's great. Uh, in the past, this is something that we've done. We've, we've done this in our PDD districts. So essentially we've asked developers to, to factor this in into their developments, but this will make it uniform across the board. Uh, moving on, we jumped into essentially kind of our public utility uh, department and we did a lot of uh, infrastructure rehabilitation uh, movement today. Uh, that's part of our capital improvement plan. We had three things. The biggest uh, is actually the Byram Whitner Creek Sewer Replacement Project. That's near the old uh, Anderson Country Club. Uh, that really, the EPA mandates a lot of things, uh, particularly to prevent and eliminate sewer overflows. Uh, one of the great things we're doing is we're building in additional capacity Particularly in that area, we're moving from some 15-inch sewer lines uh, towards 27-inch lines. So that's great. That's something that a lot of people don't understand city government's constantly doing, which is upgrading infrastructure. Uh, it's really kind of a never-ending battle, truly. And we have a lot of aging infrastructure in Anderson, the city of Anderson, Anderson County, and really across the state. That's something you'll see a lot, uh, a lot at any level of government. We also upgraded some... Uh, 
it's hard to describe. I guess it's almost your, your instrumentation for your water treatment plants. That's something that, again, is part of the infrastructure rehabilitation. It's always kind of a moving target, but you have to stay on top of it. This actual instrumentation has been in place 16, 17 years, and as with anything, just like your house, at some point you have to upgrade certain things. Lastly, we uh, approved an engineering contract for the Evergreen Area Waterline Replacement Project. Again, to improve, uh, upgrade, some, upgrade some water lines for efficiency. Uh, the Evergreen area is near the old Appleton Mill site, uh, just so you have a general idea of that location. Next meeting will be two weeks from today. Currently, uh, the last few months, we've been meeting in the Anderson Recreation Center right here on Murray Avenue. Obviously, the public's always welcome to attend our meetings. We socially distance, we're all spread out. Sometimes, obviously, depending on what you have on the agenda, you have a little more public input than other times. Tonight, obviously, didn't seem as uh, if people were, were overly engaged to, to want to um, come out for a, a meeting where you essentially added water and sewer lines. That being said, uh, it's great, you know, civic engagement for people if they want to get involved, if they want to kind of see how their local government works, so they're always welcome. And as always, they're always welcome to contact me directly as well. Yeah, it's good to see our city council moving ahead on some of these things. Uh, the Anderson County Fair announced plans this week that they are going to return this year. Uh, it'll be May 6th to May 16th. Those are the dates set. Now, the fair organizers are promising to, con to continue monitoring the virus situation and to go ahead, but if things get worse, they may not. But they said they will practice uh, distance, safe distancing, mask, and they will have other things in place, they say, to keep people safe. Well, that'll be something to watch going ahead. And REWA is voting today on any future rate hikes for all their customers, which will include a newly added group of about 600 customers in Piedmont. But whatever the outcome of that rate hike, uh, the Piedmont customers won't see any rate increases until June of 2022, according to a spokesman. I'll update that story on next week's podcast. Uh, the company told me they haven't had any rate increases in the last two years, and they were voting on it this year will be the third year without a rate increase. But with the board's meeting today, and there likely will be an increase. So I will update you on the podcast next week. There's also a public hearing Thursday at, on the Greenpoint Landfill Expansion Plans in Powdersville. Uh, the meeting will be at the Powdersville Library at 6.30 p.m. and DHEC will be participating remotely in that event, but the meeting will be open both to the public to limited numbers and it will also be available online. You can find out more details on that at the Anderson Observer News from people you trust. Also, this week, County Council is going to reconsider EMS contracts and look at a number of other issues at a noon County Council meeting Tuesday at the Civic Center. Meetings will resume at 6 or 6.30 p.m., beginning with the March 2nd meeting. So this is the last noon meeting. They're trying to get back to the meetings where more people who work can attend meetings. And Council, County Council is currently working on the budget, and hopefully the good news that South Carolina revenues are up 5% since July will be a good signal for local budgets, but we'll know when that happens. Be another number of challenges once again this year's budget and I uh, hope the county will look at possible vehicle fees or maybe even reconsider the uh, hospitality tax to help raise the revenues needed. Uh, meanwhile this week I got a chance to sit down with some Anderson gentlemen who have committed the last 25 years to helping mentor young men in our community and to offer a series of services to shine bright in hopes of a better community for these young men. Um, here are my interviews with Mr. Marion Tarrant and Mr. Charlie Irvin, who continue to work in the Minute Work program and have seen some really remarkable success. How, first of all, how long has uh, how long has this this Minute Work ministry been going on? And and tell me a little bit about how it got started. 
Well, honestly, uh, we're into our 25th year in August of this year. It'll be 25 years. The actual concept of men at work, believe it or not, started uh, in 1995. We, there were a Million Man March in Washington, D.C. Uh, myself was along with a bus a uh, load of other men from Anderson, we rode up. And one of the things that uh, Minister Farrakhan uh, said that day is that, you know, that particular city, uh, town, or community that you were from, that he wouldn't be coming back to that community. He's going back to Chicago. He said, but what he would love for every man that attended that atonement day uh, were to go back to his community and to uh, actually start to do something that was positive to help other young men. We came back with that idea and we organized in 97, uh, laid dormant for a year just to do a study, just to see where the needs were to make sure that we didn't duplicate, uh, reinvent the wheel. Then after coming back in, we kind of looking at our community and other things and seeing where we thought we could be uh, of the biggest help. We thought that the young people, as long as well as the elderly, where we could really uh, kind of get in, get involved, and make a big difference. And that's where we actually started at. Uh, fortunately, at that time, um, I was employed with the Anderson Housing Authority, uh, which gave us access to a lot of young men. Um, we, 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 we thought that there was a tremendous need because um, in the apartment complex where I actually worked at, I actually worked at all five sites, but two of them had uh, a large number of young people, which was uh, Westview Heights apartment complex in Fortson Home. And we started to work there uh, with the young men because uh, sad to say about 90% of the home was headed by a single female. <clears throat> there was uh, 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 homes without a lot of dads. So we became big brothers, we became their friends, and in some cases we became father figures. That's how we honestly got started. And we, then we had to decide, well, you know, what would be the goal? What, what would we do? Uh, we thought uh, character building was certainly necessary, which we certainly tried to do that. We also, in formulating the ministry itself, we wanted to make sure that we brought uh, men in that certainly were committed into helping develop the young men into men. 90% of our men at that time were deacons in their churches. However, most of us were from different churches. And we thought that was a plus too because we thought if we could um, show the community how the churches could come together and make a difference in the community, that might motivate and encourage other uh, churches to do the same. So we, we sat down, we kind of decided um, we wanted to make education uh, one of our uh, uh, key focuses. And then at the same time, we also know we wanted to do um, some type of skill building. Uh, 
kind of fast forwarding a little bit, there's a gentleman in our group, uh, Mr. Bobby Simmons, along with Mr. Irving, the vice president. Uh, these gentlemen had multiple skills that they could work with the children with because of past jobs. Also, most of us are retired, and that kind of lends us the, the time necessary to help develop these young men. Then exposure became a concern, an issue of how we wanted to expose them to the outside world, meaning that outside of the communities that they lived in because there was limited opportunities that they had. I mean, you know, the, the, the moms in the home, they did tremendous jobs in what they could uh, with what they had. But we began to travel to different states, um, whether it came, we would go to Washington, D.C. We took them to a lot of uh, historical sites there, which we call, we say was educational because the two goals were to do, develop educational and recreational activities for them. Then we certainly took them to professional football games, basketball games. Uh, we um, traveled to zoos. We, we did museums. Uh, so we tried to uh, expose them to a variety of opportunities. We even partnered with Anderson University, which provided an opportunity for us to sleep over. So that certainly uh, <clears throat> introduced them to a higher education of learning in hopes that they were young then and hoping to later on in life and as they go through school that they would certainly uh, pursue a higher education to come back and possibly help in the very community uh, that they did. We somewhat sort of pats ourselves on the back uh, a little bit because we, we had several young men that went on to be uh, veterinarians. Uh, um, Sean Ellis, which um, went on to play professional football, both in New England as well as the New York Jets. Uh, Chad with Bozeman, which we all know and heard about, which um, uh, came through the program. We've had um, several other young men that uh, Mr. Irvin was shutting to tell you about uh, that, that came through and had some uh, great accomplishments. However, we also want to make sure that you know people understand, usually when they see men uh, working with young men, sometimes uh, preconceived ideas say, well, those must be gentlemen or young men they're working with that's been in trouble. No, sir, that, that was not the case. Um, the reason why we uh, brought this organization together, it was just to help give them a little escrinage to provide just a better opportunity for them to uh, become who they have become. We do have some young men that um, have gotten themselves in trouble. However, we, we make sure that they understand, even though they made a mistake like all of us have, that we're still here for them. We've had some young men that uh, gotten themselves in trouble and spent some time in jail, but have come out that we have talked with and worked with that has uh, become great contributors in their community. So we're, we're happy about that. Um, we also have had both them to attend the city councils and county councils just to find out what's going on in their community. And that's kind of where we are with uh, men at work. We certainly, uh, um, the spiritual side of things is very important to 
all of our men, because as I said from the beginning, uh, all of our gentlemen, most of them are deacons in their church, so we're certainly trying to make sure that our young men build a base or a foundation that when everything else goes awry, they still have something to stand on. And, and, and quite a few of them have done that, and we're proud of them for that. Uh, we we, we kind of also let them know success doesn't always uh, mean being a superstar of achieving high goals, just being a contributor. And you make sure that you care about somebody other than yourself. And sometimes it's just mean working a nine to five and taking care of the family that you, you not have. So that's kind of, you know, what we try to do is make sure that they understand in this world in which we live in, anything you do positive is needed. Do you have any idea how many young men have come through the program over the years, roughly? Over the 25 years, uh, I'm guesstimating that we probably have worked with over 500 boys, give or take. Uh, at least that. At least that. That's, that's at least, least that many. And uh, I know one may not agree with me, but even in that, which I would consider a very high uh, achievement rate, I would say at least 75 of, of those young men have done very well. We have not worked with one young man in talking to all of our uh, counselors that when we meet him, uh, he and his family in a grocery store, in church, or just in a public area that he does not come back and walk up to us and tell us, I sure appreciate what men at work done for me because had you not intervened in my life, I don't know what I would have become. And, and that's, that's the achievements that we have to, to make sure that we help make that young man a better man. Have any of them come back to help with the other young men now? We've had a few to come back. Yes, sir. We sure have. Matter of fact, we, um, we were just getting ready to form um, a junior group. And, and, and the pandemic uh, certainly moved in on us in March. And we have taken a leave of absence because of the social distancing, uh, the virus itself. But our plans are when we are able to communicate again and to be around each other is trying to bring that young group of men back into to carry this uh, ministry on another 25 years because those of us that have put 25 years of leg works in, our legs doesn't quite carry us like they used to. <laughs> have you been able to stay in touch with them at all during this time? I mean, any kind of contact much? Yes, yes, we, we've certainly, uh, just by telephone, uh, talked with them. When Christmas came, uh, one of the gentlemen I'm telling you, Sean Ellis, he bought uh, Christmas gifts for about 15 of the young men that attend a program here called Skill Development. Uh, the Skill Development class is basically where we bring them in and, and teach them minor skills like maybe plumbing where you may change uh, handle on one of the uh, controls. Uh, we've also brought them in and we did some 
minimum electrical work. We had them put a light switch together and then turn it on and they see the light come on and they're excited about it. And uh, um, so we, we've, we've kind of uh, done that, but uh, believe it or not, we're almost gonna have to start back over because we've been, we've missed them almost eight to nine months and that's a very long time when you've been working with a group of young men and then you have that absence there. So we, we certainly, uh, just as soon as we're able, we're going to reconnect with them and start off where we left off at. Now, how are y'all funded? Who, who helps fund this? There's a number of people that has been very instrumental in the funding of uh, this ministry. Mr. Um, Kurt Stutler, uh, when we first started out some years ago, we partnered with the United Way at that time. Uh, Reverend Stutler was there. Um, Mrs. Grace Floyd, she's just been uh, immaculate. Uh, she has believed in us more than we had ourselves. She made sure she helped us out tremendously. Um, certainly after her death, we was really hurt by that. She, and, and, and it wasn't so much of the money, certainly we needed it, that Miss Floyd gave. She believed in this program. She believed in this ministry. Uh, uh, and, and just her seeing what we was doing and thought it was worth investing in, uh, she, she, she did an awesome job there. Then we've also had um, some of our own men uh, that's members of this ministry have uh, supporters us there. The, the, the housing authority uh, has provided both transportation as well as um, buildings to allow us to do the things that we do. Uh, Mr. Roberts, which um, were, uh, is a contractor here in Anderson, he, when he's on city council, he helped us out a lot. It's just that we are just so humbled by so many people that has helped us. And, and the as I said, the finances were necessary, uh, but just their support, their word of, you know, confidence. Uh, me sitting here now talking with you, that support, because what happened is means that somebody have heard what we've done and, 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 and thought it was worthwhile doing this. Uh, St. George's Episcopal Church on 81 on the right-hand side. <clears throat> they have been a great supporter of us. And I, I get a little scary when I start calling names because even though all of these names I've given you, I feel that I've left somebody out. And I certainly don't want to forget the wives of all the men that's in this ministry that have certainly uh, allowed us to leave our home and sometimes our own families to help others. So we, we, you know, the help has always been there and, and, you know, certainly <laughs> couldn't have done any of it if it wasn't for the Lord. Uh, people need to know that. Yeah. And, and, and the city of Allison parks and recreation, uh, was just, just amazing in what they did. Uh, also, Westside Community Center, we, we've been there. We, we've used their facility uh, for overnight events. So we, we've just, help has always been there. Uh, I always think 
when people see you doing something good, they don't mind helping you. And, and we are grateful for that. We really are. And if somebody's watching this and wants to donate or help, how can they help? Well, actually, um, my suggestion would be to um, either contact Mr. Charlie Irvin, uh, which is 864-356-4797, who is the Vice President of Marion Tarrant uh, at 864-958-0295. Uh, we are uh, 5013C. So certainly uh, any checks that you would make out would be made out to men at work. Um, and we certainly would be grateful because our, our plan is to once we uh, get through this pandemic is to reach back out to the young men and try to help them move forward. Uh, this has been a strain on all of us. Uh, so we want to make sure we grab them as quick as we can and start to work with them towards something positive. Uh, we are, will actually want to make sure that um, they understand education, education, education uh, means success, success, success. And that's what we want to do. Uh, we really do. Uh, creating gentlemen in a time like this. And Mr. Charlie Irvin had this to add to the work that's going on there and the, some of the things that they hope to get tell done. Me, tell me how you got involved in this ministry. I got involved uh, <clears throat> through my brother-in-law. My brother-in-law joined and he told me about it. And after he told me about what they had, plan what they had planned, it was in 1997, I joined. And that's what got me. That's what got me involved, knowing that he's going to do something for the youth. I like working with kids. So, what are some of the programs that you've seen that have been successful working with the kids through this ministry? Well, one thing I have to, I have to bring up the one we did with the uh, um, the trades, because one thing we we thought about was all those kids. Uh, most of them probably weren't going to college. And let them know how important it is if you get you a, a good trade, the type of living you can make just by knowing how to do something like plumbing or electrical. And, but our main thing was to get, get a, a, all these trades, get them exposed to all these trades, and maybe they'll decide on which one they like the best. And that's the way they should go. Like uh, Mary was saying earlier, we started out doing carpentry over at uh, Mr. Roberts' uh, place over there. And after we came from there, we started, well, Bobby was a certified electrician with Michelin for over 30 years, I guess. And I was an electro, a, they called it an electromech. I was an electrical and mechanical troubleshooter. So I had something to offer to them, and we started doing some of the things that that uh, we knew, and uh, we got Jimmy Brown, who has an electrical company involved, and some of the kids start showing potential. Some of them liked it, so that's the biggest part of it that I liked was, uh, I mean, for us lately, what we did, but all of it was. Um, 
all of it was, was uh, important to me, though. Uh, the trips, uh, expose them to things they'd never been exposed to. I think uh, one of the things that really uh, made me think was we carried those kids to a movie one day and we had a kid say he'd never been to a movie before in his life. You know, he was a good-sized kid. And it made you think about so many other things that they hadn't been exposed to. And you take these kids that hasn't been exposed to all, all these different things and you put them in an environment with a lot of other kids that has been exposed, they, they're going to be behind because, they, they, I mean, they just hadn't been exposed. It's not that they are intellectually inferior, just a lot of things they just don't know because they've never been around it. It's kind of like getting a man out of a, a field somewhere and just putting him in the middle of one of these modern factories with all these computers and stuff in it. You know, if you hadn't been exposed, you won't know what to do. So that's one of the biggest things that I liked about it. And it's like Marion said, on, on the, as far as these uh, people that helped us, there were many. Uh, yeah, Coach Roberts used to help us all. He, he, every year he'd write us a check uh, because he knew what we were doing. And we always had somebody that would come up and uh, find out what we are doing and donate to us. So that kept us going for quite a while. In fact, when we first started, we uh, financed ourselves. Every man had to pay so much uh, each month to finance something that we were doing. So that worked until we started getting donations. And we, uh, we didn't mind doing it because we saw what the, the results were, you know, from it. But these, uh, <clears throat> now, now some of the kids that, uh, that I've dealt with during this program uh, have gone on to do different things. Like I said, some of them have gone to prison and gotten out. I, have, I still have close con uh, connection to one of the kids that served prison time. And he, right now, he's doing his own thing. He, he has a lawn service, and uh, he's doing that. And in fact, I sold him a truck <laughs> to get started with. And uh, almost gave it to him, but uh, I wasn't using the truck anyway. And he's really doing well. But he, he had a life that was, he wasn't dealt, he wasn't dealt a real good hand, let's say. He came up kind of rough, but he, uh, I think he's getting it. I think he's caught on to what he needs to do. And he still calls me, we talk, you know, he get problems, he'll call me. And, and I, I appreciate him having that much uh, faith in, in us, you know. Because if he, if he see Marin somewhere, he'll talk with him, you know. But we, we, we've got a number of kids like that that's, Got went off and got in trouble and came back and told us that they they know what we were trying to do and they appreciate it. That makes me feel good to know that they really appreciate what we were trying to do. And I guess that's about it. Before I think Marin covered about everything else. Well, let me ask you one other thing. Um, what you mentioned, you just touched on it right there. What has this done for you? How does this, how has this saved your soul, or what has this done for you and your uh, life? It, um, 
it helps me uh, to, to, to help somebody else. It makes me feel uh, good about myself to uh, know it, to know that I, that I have done something positive in somebody's life, especially some young person's life. So my, uh, my daughter is a, is a teacher and she's always talking about this type of thing, but she doesn't live, in, live here. Because she said if she was here, she would get involved uh, with, uh, with what we're doing. Because, and that, that helps me too, knowing that she, she would be willing to, to help if she was in this area. And my oldest son said the same thing, and he, he lives in, on the other side of Atlanta, and he likes being in, involved in stuff like this. So that helps me keep going, knowing my kids would want to do the same thing if they were here. So you think you get about as much out of it as the kids? Well, at most times, but the weekends we spend with them, oh, I think they got more out of me than I could ever get. We go home tired that Sunday afternoon each time we spent the weekend with them. Because some of them would uh, keep you up and you wouldn't get much sleep. and You could put them down and the next thing you know, you hear something, you know. So. Sometimes it got a little, get a little rough, but all in all, it, it would be something that you enjoyed, you know, because most, you'd enjoy, say, 75% of it, you're good. <laughs> and, I, and I think we did that. And we got a lot of kids to, uh, you know, that, 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 that show uh, that they have some, you know, some positive things about them. It's like, you know, like Marion said, you know, most of those kids, they had a uh, female in the house, no male. And we had one, one, uh, one of the classes was uh, just teaching them how to check oil on a car, check the tires, look at the belts and, you know, check the belts. And a lot of those boys, they really enjoyed doing that. And they said they were going to do it at Mama's car when they got home, you know. Because <laughs> nobody ever does that around them. Their mother just throw them in the car and crank up and go. You know, most women don't check uh, the oil and belts and tires. And I showed them where to find the tire pressure at. You, and that's what it should be reading, your tire pressure. So stuff like that, that, that really... Uh, it really made me feel good to know that you've done something that's important to them. And have you gotten feedback from some of the moms and families of the kids you've helped? What, are, what kind of things do they say? Oh, the moms, yeah. It's a lot of the moms really, really appreciate what we've done. In fact, there's been uh, other women outside that we, that, we, that we hadn't done anything with their kids. They have heard about us. And they try to, you know, get their kids involved. So that we've had some of that, and uh, they are <clears throat> there's there's always somebody calling to need help, and but we only have a small well we got about ten to twelve men at the most yeah, yeah, dealing with us, uh, and we don't have enough to to to, to do with all of them you know every we can't uh, help everybody, and and it was very and it used to be that we really enjoyed the schools. You know, uh, we mentored in the schools. 
the last school we mentored was, uh, was the uh, alternative school. And most kids over there got some problems. <laughs> but they got us over there. We still spent like, the last three years over there. <laughs> we couldn't get from over there. Uh, Mr. Uh, D, what's his name? Mr. Uh, Dillingham. Dillingham, Mr. D. Yeah, he kept wanting us to come back, come back. So we had a good program over there as well. Uh, as they mentioned, uh, some of the graduates of this program include Chadwick Bozeman, who passed away last year, and NFL great Sean Ellis, who continues to give back to the program, um, bought some Christmas gifts this year. It's, it's always heartening to see people doing this kind of work and committing to it long term. And for more on this interview and additional comments, you can visit the Anderson Observer News and People You Trust. There's a video of these, young, of these um, gentlemen being interviewed. and. Uh, Hope you will support them. They gave the phone numbers in there if you want to help out. It is a 5013C, so it's all tax deductible. Huge supporters of Minute Work was Gracie Floyd, who passed away recently. And this week, filing closed for the seat that she left vacant. And there were eight candidates total, seven Democrats and one Republican who have thrown their hats in the ring. The Democrats seeking the seat are Reggie Davis, Arsenio Mandrake Walker, Willie Day, Micah Jenkins, Glenn Davis, Marion A. Robinson, and Debbie Dotson Leverett. Uh, I'm going to be talking to all these, these candidates. The lone Republican candidate seeking the seat is David Standard, who ran against Ms. Floyd in the last election. Again, I'll have interviews up this week with all of these uh, candidates telling us why they want to run and what they plan to do in District 2. The primary is scheduled for March 30th, and if you're not registered to vote, you still have time in, up through February 28th to register to vote for the primary. And the general election for the special election actually is June the 1st and there'll be a runoff in April, which will probably be necessary with those seven candidates. So stay tuned here and watch the Anderson Observer News for people you trust in the days ahead for more information on these candidates. And one of the goals for the Anderson Observer is not only to report local news, but again, shine bright lights on those people and organizations making a difference in our community. And one such group is our friends and neighbors in the Anderson County Rainbow Gang. It's a county program for individuals, individuals with developmental issues, and Schofield has been leading this effort for some time, and she ex just expressed a passion that you rarely see in somebody that loves their job. And here's my interview from late last week with Kathy Schofield about the Rainbow Gang and about Special Olympics in Anderson. Find everybody who you are. Okay, my name is Kathy Schofield, and I am the program manager for um, Special Population Recreation, the Rainbow Gang, and I'm a co-area director for Anderson County Area 14 Special Olympics. Okay, with all that time, that means you got a lot to do. Tell people what all you do, what you work, who you work with here. Okay, so one hat I wear, I run a day program for adults with intellectual disabilities. Um, all of our adults have either aged out or graduated from high school. Um, I have 18 participants aging from age 21 to 67. And we run um, interventions for them daily that help them work on some personal goals that they would like to achieve. Um, we have a rec recreation therapy internship um, that we currently offer. Um, it's offered to three interns per semester. And um, they come in and they take over for us and run um, the interventions that we host each day. And then they also will um, bring us new and exciting um, activities to do. We like 
during non-COVID time, uh, we like to get our group out into the community so that they are exposed to their surroundings. They can practice making eye contact, speaking up loudly, and trying to speak as clearly as they can um, if they have some verbal um, disabilities. And then um, we also just like to go out to the community and have fun, go to the movies. Um, we like to go get ice cream. We like to go get snowballs. Um, we like to go to the Civic Center and play bocce or play kickball um, or just walk the track, um, just get outside and enjoy. We also, um, we have community members that come into our facility. Uh, we work very closely with the garden club here in Anderson County who has donated a um, stand-up garden bed. And we currently have learned how to go from planting the seeds to a seedling to planting the seedling to using whatever product it was that we planted. So we've made flavored butter with different herbs that we've grown. We made lavender sachets. We have gotten to flavor our pasta with some, some herbs. And right now we have um, cabbages growing in our garden. And so uh, we're really excited to come back and I think we're gonna make some kind of coleslaw. But um, that way our participants get to see, you know, it doesn't just show up at the grocery store. Um, but they're also proud of themselves for growing something. And eventually we hope to expand on that program so that we are growing fruits and vegetables that our participants can take home um, or that we could even sell as a fundraiser. Um, so uh, what else do we do? We, um, we have a volunteer that comes in and does line dancing uh, each week with our participants. And it's really neat. She will theme our line dancing to whatever um, holiday we have coming up. And the kids really love that. So they get the experience of they're not doing the same four line dances over and over every week. It does change up for them. Uh, we have another uh, volunteer that comes in and does arts and crafts. And we've done um, many of them around the room. So we've painted canvases um, with different decorations. We've learned how to use painter's tape to make different shapes on our canvases. Um, we've made centerpieces. We have made Mother's Day pots with flowers in them. She's, she's really creative. Um, and so we always encourage um, people that work and live in our community to come inside and bring a part of that inside this building. We partner very closely with AU's nursing program um, and our nursing students come in and they help uh, right now during COVID, they help make sure that we keep our masks on, that we're hand sanitizing, our temperatures are taken, that we're trying to stay six feet apart and really um, help social distance, but still get to enjoy the atmosphere of being around our friends. Um, and then we also have partnered with um, Clemson University's rec therapy program, and we have students um, that come down here and will do their preceptorship down here, um, or oh, I forget the exact phrase for it, but they'll come and observe and help us run activities um, for a certain number of hours that they need. Um, and then anybody that really needs any volunteer hours um, down here, we're always open. Um, a little bit more open when it's not COVID times. <laughs> yeah, how, has, how has the COVID challenge changed what you had to do here? I mean, well, overnight we went from being in person and um, to we went virtual. Um, so uh, everybody was shutting down. You know, we are uh, immunocompromised and we don't always wear our masks correctly and our hand washing skills are not exactly, you know, that 20 seconds, that's a long time. Even when you say, okay, let's sing happy birthday. So happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, you know. Um, so we went completely virtual. Uh, we were running two programs a day uh, virtually. 
and uh, it allowed our participants to see the outside world. They weren't just stuck in the house, afraid of what was going on. A lot of our participants don't understand why, why can we not give hugs and why are we not allowed to high five anymore? And um, so we, st we stayed completely virtual. I think we came back in July uh, part-time. We decided we would stay up until lunch because that was when we would need to remove our masks. And so everybody would go home. Um, July numbers spiked again after the 4th of July. So we went virtual again. And then uh, we, we had several parents reach out and say, listen, you know, the mental health of my child is just as important to me as their physical health. Is there any way we can start going back again? And so because our guys had done so well wearing masks, wearing them appropriately, hand sanitizing, maintaining the distances, you know, um, we modified the high five and we do elbow bumps. Um, we decided to come back at a full-time capacity, and so we have been back full-time since August. Um, I do have participants that have chosen to stay home. Um, we uh, partnered very closely with Clemson University. Uh, we hosted an internship here. They had three interns whose sites had said, we're sorry, we can't host you. And uh, we had um, a professor approach us about a partnership and so we hosted an internship here in our facility and we had one intern who was 100% virtual out of Texas. And so she was able to facilitate online interventions for our um, group that's at home as well as we also did hybrid interventions where we would put some of our in-person um, participants in front of the camera so that um, she could have a group um, for her interventions. So we, we have had to cut out um, the daily virtual interventions because we just cannot sustain it with the staff that we have. Uh, we do run two hybrid activities a week. We do bingo on Thursdays, as you heard, and then uh, we do Music Monday. Um, and so on Music Mondays, um, everybody gets to go around. They get to pick a song that they want to sing and dance to and share with the group. and. Um, so it's a good way to connect with our one participant, or well, we have four participants that are still um, not coming daily. Um, and so that's one hat. My other hat is I'm a co-area director for Area 14 Special Olympics. Um, we run year-round um, sports. We currently have 11 sports that we run. I'm gonna try and name them all. So we have bowling and bocce, um, basketball, swimming, cheerleading, softball, equestrian, um, did I say basketball? Maybe so. Um, cheer, and then we run, uh, we have um, young athletes, which is for athletes ages two to seven, um, and they work on developmental skills, and then ages eight and up work on the traditional um, sports. And, um, so we run those year round. Um, we're constantly looking for new sports to add. Um, Julia, who is also my co-area director for um, Area 14 Special Olympics, she and I, before COVID, started taking pickleball lessons. And uh, we have our pickleball paddles and we are certified official for level one. <laughs> uh, once this is all over, we are very interested in getting back into the learning how to play pickleball um, so that we can utilize the new courts that have been made and um, bring pickleball to Special Olympics. 
Um, we also host um, several events. We host a trunk or treat every October. Um, it's just a way for our population to come and trick or treat in a safe environment enjoy their peers and uh, be able to get out of the house and have a good time. It's also a time for parents to relax and build a sense of community, seeing other parents there, meeting other parents after you see somebody, the same person over and over, you know, you build that relationship, which I think is very important for a lot of our athletes. As much as it is for our athletes, it is for our parents as well to have that sense of community and support. Um, so we do that. We, um, we do the trunk or treat at the Civic Center, then we go inside and we have a dance and pizza and um, the photo booth has been the newest addition that everybody loves. They're very generous and let our guys just come through and take as many crazy wacky photos as they want. Uh, the kids really enjoy that and love that. Uh, and then at Christmas time, um, we have a dinner and dance inside the Civic Center. Santa comes and makes an appearance. And again, we have the photo booth and um, try to have a little something to give them to remember the dance by and this last year we added a new activity um, for spring games we are we have started um, hosting a competition if you will for our athletes to design the spring game shirt and so um, our Christmas dance is where we let all of our participants vote on what they want their spring game shirt designed to be for the next year and so that was um, a new addition for us two years ago was getting to vote on that. We've hosted several movie nights at the Civic Center. Even during COVID, uh, we've been able to space the chairs out enough. They have a huge movie screen. So it's been, you know, we take temperatures on the way in and we're, we're in our masks watching our movies. And um, we've had a good number of athletes take advantage of that. Um, Special Olympics has been going on a long time here, right? I want to try to keep these two things. Yes. So, so Special Olympics was brought here over 40 years ago, probably over 45 years ago, uh, by Gloria Bird and Suzanne McMahon. And then the Rainbow Gang, which is the day program, um, County Council adapted that um, over 30 years ago. And Suzanne McMahon ran this program, uh, the day program, um, up until five years ago. And just... In a normal time when we're not having COVID, our our friends and neighbors who participate in what's a normal week like for them coming? You mentioned a lot of the activities, but what would you know? What hours do they come? What, what kind of what would be a normal week for one of our friends and neighbors who's a participant here? Sure. So for the day program, we begin at 9 a.m. Um, everybody, we ask them to be here by not you know no later than 9:30. Um, at 10 a.m. we run our first intervention. So it could be you know indoor bocce, yoga. Uh, kickball, um, four corners, um, anything like that. Um, around 11, we run our second intervention of the day. Um, we eat lunch about 11.45, and at 1 o'clock, we run our last intervention for the day. And then at 2 o'clock, our participants are picked up and taken home. Then in the evening time, it's it's kind of unique situation. So um all of our day programmers are actually Special Olympic athletes. So day program, they're here. And then Special Olympics, we see them again in the evening. So Mondays is swimming, uh, Tuesdays is bowling, Wednesdays is generally basketball, Thursdays was um, eight and under bowling, uh, Friday we take a day off, <laughs> Saturday we have track and field, tennis, um, bocce, 
we use the bocce courts out at the Civic Center. So our, our participants stay very busy and active during non-COVID times. And so it's been very difficult with Special Olympics for safety reasons for all parties involved. Um, we have stopped activities. Um, Special Olympics South Carolina has been very proactive at hosting um, lots of activities virtually through Zoom meetings, Zoom, and they had a Zoom dance. Um, and then that way our athletes get to connect with other athletes around the state that they would normally see. So when we're competing, we not only compete here locally, but we compete statewide. So as we host our spring games, those are individually hosted per um, area. And then for summer games, which are in May, we go to Fort Jackson and we just take over the base <laughs> for the weekend and uh, we compete in sports there. And then for, um, that was summer games. So for fall games in Myrtle Beach, we take over Myrtle Beach area and, and host all of our games there. So we compete on a state level. And then every four years, our athletes have a chance to compete um, on a national level. And Anderson has actually sent, recently um, our athletes competed in Washington State and we sent um, three, three athletes um, to compete in Washington um, on a national level. So that was really cool. So you said there's a great deal of crossover. Most people who do the day program are also involved. So the Rainbow Gang is also... Is also the Rainbow Gang is separate. It's okay. it's too complete. Right. Let, let me get that clear in my brain then, okay? Tell me, let's let's talk about just the Rainbow Gang. I'll edit this and make it make sense. Okay. Sure, sure. Okay, tell me the Rainbow Gang. So the Rainbow Gang is the day program. Right. So our, our participants will show up at 9, and they have activities until 2, and then they go home. Right. Um, I have 18 participants for the day program. Um, is that a maximum number that you can take? 18 or? is my max. Um, I would a love. List? We do have a waiting list. So we have an application process very similar to colleges where we're just on a rolling schedule. We're always taking applications. And then as we go through, if we have an opening, we see who is the best fit for our program. Um, we do have certain. Um, criteria that you need to meet because we are not certified nursing staff. We are not staffed to change diapers, um, divvy out medicine. You know, if, if you need an ibuprofen or a Tylenol, I can give you that. But, you know, um, we're also not certified in like feeding tubes and, and things of that nature, um, which opens the door to, you know, how do we expand? Where do we go from here? How has COVID kind of encouraged us? And um, we've all kind of been brainstorming in the office about trying to get a virtual Rainbow Gang program that would help us to expand um, our programming and um, would help us to reach an audience of participants that can't come to the day program, but it would also give them the same opportunities that our day program has. What kind of, for the Rainbow Gang, what kind of feedback and, and um, comments have you gotten from the parents of, of the participants who are involved? How, how do they respond to the, their family members being able to be a part of this group? It means everything to them. Um, we are the only program in the Southeast that is a free day program. Um, we are 100% funded by the county, um, and that is a true blessing. 
it gives us, it opens many, many opportunities for us that otherwise, you know, these parents, I mean, I pay daycare right now and that's $520 a month. And I mean, you meet a parent that's on a fixed income with a child with disabilities who's also on a fixed income. And that's probably almost their entire check. Um, our families that are here are so supportive of the different activities that we host, um, the volunteers that come in. If I need anything, I send home a letter and parents will just bless us in ways we can't imagine with, with anything that we need. Um, it's the same thing with reaching out to the community. Um, anytime I reach out to the community with a, with a need, people are very quick to just respond and shower us with love of anything that they can help us with. Um, for a lot of parents, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's imperative for their children for their mental health. You know, um, one of my participants, mom, she called me all summer one year. Do you have an opening? Do you have an opening? Do you have an opening? You know, my son is depressed. My son needs this interaction with other people. And it broke my heart because at that time I didn't have, I, I, it, I didn't have anywhere for him to go. Um, and I couldn't, you know, just magically make a spot because, you know, we have to keep safety as our number one priority. And so, um, you know, our, our population gets stuck in a limbo between I'm cognitive enough to have a job and so I can go somewhere and work, or I'm just not quite cognitive enough to, to do that. But then where do you go? There's a wait list at the disabilities board, you know, and then there's, we're max capacity here. So, um, for our parents, this program is just everything to them. And, um, they let us know and are very appreciative and, um, during normal times for Thanksgiving, we have a potluck and we invite the parents to come and enjoy a meal with us. And the same thing at Christmas time, we do another big Christmas party and the parents come ahead. and have lunch with us. Um, and so, you know, n normally parents, um, not during COVID time, it's an open door policy to our parents. You need something, you want something, you want to come in and just say, hey, please feel free to do so. COVID has really created just a disconnect and um, we miss getting to see our parents and know, you know, what's going on in their lives. And um, it's been, yeah, it's just been a real disconnect from our parents. And, you know, you build those relationships with your parents just as you do with their children. So. And you mentioned support. So County Council and Administrator Rusty Burns, they've all been very supportive of the program. Very supportive. Um, very helpful. Um, I... Um, Anytime I come up with some crazy idea and I'm like, hey, I need some funding. Um, you know, it, it may not be overnight, but they're all very helpful, um, very encouraging. And, um, you know, I, if they can't give me all of it, they give me what they can. And so, um, you know, it, like I said, it's just been a true blessing to have the backing of the county and that support and knowing that, you know, um, you know, so this program initially was started just as a social organ social place for, for these guys to come and, and they would come and play on the Wii's and do crossword puzzles and everything. And then we, in the past five years we've grown it. And now we have a certified rec therapist on site and we have three rec therapy interns that are doing therapeutic interventions with these participants, which that's thousands of dollars and, you know, tons of time of, you know, maybe 
you couldn't get a therapist here in Anderson, so you're driving your child to Greenville twice a week, if that. Sometimes it's only once a month, and these guys are getting three hour, you know, three hour, it, interventions a day. And then we also do small groups here and there with them. So, I mean, the, the, the opportunities that Rusty Burns and County Council have allowed us through their support is just, it, you can't say thank you enough. And tell me about the the upcoming uh, partnership with Art Center to do some, this this Art Center. Oh, we're so excited! I'm glad you know about that. <laughs> um, uh, we are super excited. So we were approached by the Art Center and asked if we would be interested in partnering with them to do um, an arts and crafts um, class. I guess, for lack of a better word, um, they received some grant money and County Council matched it for us. We will be meeting up with them soon. Um, to get together. I think we're going to get together with them once a week and they're going to host us there. So it'll be great. We'll be able to go on a field trip um, each week and uh, we're going to do different arts and crafts with them. And um, that's super exciting. We've been to the art center once before and we brought home a splatter painting that we did. And um, there were a couple other little projects that they had for us to do. We made um, pots out of clay that was really cool um, and so I just know that our group is going to be super stoked and excited when they start seeing on their calendar so we send out a calendar once a month and that is like the world stops and we we have to dissect our calendar and so um, you know, I know that the gang is going to be super excited when they see that one, we're getting out of the building and two, we're going to the art center for arts and crafts. That's a big, big deal. But it was huge that, you know, County Council partnered with the art center to provide this program for us because one part without the other, it wouldn't have worked. And I guess finally, Kathy, where, where did your passion and energy come from for this? Because you obviously have a passion for what we're talking about here. Uh... <laughs> Wow. Um, so my, uh, I have several family members that are special ed teachers. And so I've always just been drawn to the population and had a compassion and understanding. Um, I got lucky. I volunteered with Special Olympics. Uh, I was actually a bank teller when Special Olympics found me. And then um, I was just truly honored and blessed to be hired on um, as Suzanne's assistant. And um, then unfortunately she had to retire. And so it was just a natural progression. And um, I, I have a, a community leisure background and a rec management master's from Clemson. And it has just been, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. It's been fun. Um, I, I ended up here, I was a lifeguard at Disney before I ended up in South Carolina as a bank teller before I ended up in, in just a dream job. And, you know, my worst day at work still is, I don't even think I have a bad day at work. Um, you know, it, I find comfort here and I find comfort in being around my participants. And when I'm dealing with something, you come here and you feed off of their energy and the positivity and the love and just lack of being affected by the outside world that these guys project onto you. And it just, you just automatically feel better. <laughs> um, but really is just the best place to be. Um, I'm just watching you interact a little bit here. I mean, you obviously have a heart just, just open to this. They're my kids. 
I tell people I have 18 kids and they look at me like I'm crazy and I tell them what I do, but it, yeah, every single one of them are my kids and I want to see them grow and succeed and, and do, you know, whatever it is they want, whatever their goals are to accomplish. I want them to, to do that, but I want them to know, you know, you're, this is a safe space and, and we're your people, you know, just like they did at school. Okay, if somebody sees this and wants to either volunteer, or donate, or just find out more, where's the best place for them to keep up with what's going on here? Great. So there's several places. Um, the Rainbow Gang, so it's um, Special Population Recreation, the Rainbow Gang on Facebook. And then also um, on AndersonCountySC.org, and we're under Special Population. Um, we have a website there. And then uh, we're also on Instagram. Special Population Recreation, the Rainbow Gang. And then also Area 14 Special Olympics. We're Area 14 Anderson County Special Olympics on Facebook. And then also on Instagram. And then also you can see our information on the Anderson County website under Special Population. Like it's all one tab. <laughs> We're covered. As if you don't have a note to keep up with. We just don't tweet. <laughs> I, I drew the line at tweeting. I just don't get it. I, that's past my realm of thinking. I'm too... I'm too long-winded. Is there anything I didn't ask for you we wanted to get into this? Did I miss anything, or did we cover it pretty well? No, I mean, we're always looking for volunteers for things. Um, there's tons of stuff out in the community that we'll be, um, be doing. We have, like, pop-up fundraisers and, and things like that. So It is always, as I said, uh, just lovely to see people who are passionate about their work and few match Kathy's commitment and outright love for these individuals. I watched that day, and as part of our discussion, she mentioned a new partnership with the Anderson Art Center, which will help both organizations fulfill their missions. Art Center Director April Cameron says she's excited about joining in this effort. How long have, has Art Center been involved in working with special populations, and how, how is it important to work with like the Rainbow Gang as part of y'all's mission? So the Art Center has been involved with different special populations for several years. We had done work before with the um, Special Needs Disability Board, and I'm just familiar with the Rainbow Gang from just community events in general. So it's really important to us to uh, do outreach programs to people that might not normally come to the Arts Center. We want to show them what we have going on here and expand their horizons about what art is available in Anderson. And especially with special populations, it's great for them to have um, a place that they can come and get really well-trained instructors to teach them some real artistic skills. It's not just recreation and crafts. The, the new thing we're talking about and the new initiative with Rainbow Gang, though, you, you got a grant and it's going to be an ongoing thing, not just a hit, hit and run kind of, right? That's right. So we applied for a grant through the South Carolina Arts Commission, and they the Arts Commission was focusing on accessibility for special needs populations. So we knew that this would be a good fit, and we've received a grant where we should have enough funding that we can do probably a couple of months long program with the Rainbow Gang. Our plan is that they'll come at least one once a week, do some hands-on art classes, and they get outside of their regular environment where they meet and have like a little field trip that they get to come and see somewhere different during their daily activities. Uh, and also this month, the Art Center is working with all the students in Anderson County, public and private schools, and even homeschoolers. Largest exhibit they have of the year, the most entries. And April said that it begins next week and will run into March, and there will be the winners will be announced the first day of March 
as part of the meeting and there will be cash prizes and ribbons and other things given and the winner's artwork will go on display at AnMed and at some other places here in town where people can see their so there's a nationwide initiative called Youth Art Month, and that is for the month of February. And here at the Art Center, we have a very large uh, program with a lot of involvement from our schools. Youth Art Month um, is open to public schools, all five districts, homeschool associations, and private schools. And the children work on the artwork, all grade levels, the teachers submit it, and then we have a juror that comes in and selects award winners from Youth Art Month. It is one of the places where we will have the most art on display, literally hundreds of pieces, and it's a great opportunity for people who might not normally come to the art center to come and check out artwork. It's a great connection. The children's parents, their grandparents, their cousins will come here to see their artwork that they may not have visited us before except for that opportunity. If you'd like to take a look at all of the great art from the youth in Anderson, it will be on display here between February 23rd and March 19th. As April said, and her words have been echoed by Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns and others, a vibrant arts community is a key part to the quality of life issues that many companies are looking for when relocating their businesses. And as a reminder, Anderson County has the most international investment in the state of South Carolina with 51 companies from 18 different countries, and all of them near the top of their list is quality of life. And here we have climate, we have Hartwell Lake, we have good infrastructure, and we have great people and they all have contributed to us having this bragging point of the most international investment. Let's hope to see that continue, and I think have no reason to think that it won't. And you know, one of the pieces to the puzzle of that great quality of life is a landmark restaurant, and there's no place better known or more high profile than Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill downtown. Food writers across the country agree. Um, Sullivan's has been listed as one of the top 100 restaurants in America, and there are only two in South Carolina. So it's not a surprise to those of us who eat there regularly that they made the list. Bill and his late wife Sabra took a chance on downtown Anderson when it was dying 23 years ago and built something that's become an institutional marker about what's good in this city. And you can check out their menu on their website or Facebook, but for dinner I recommend trigger fish, steak, pork chops, and their lunch open-faced pot roast sandwich is the best home cooking around. Their Reuben is great. They have the best burger in town. So if you're planning a special date, now that Valentine's is passed, there is no better place. Weekend evenings can get busy, so reserve them, but you can give them a call. And Sullivan's also offers white tablecloth catering at prices so low that most people pay that much for the tin foil containers and plastic utensils. The pandemic has brought some restrictions, but if you're catering a family event, a wedding, corporate event, then don't forget Sullivan's is there for any of these you have for catering. And Sullivan's has been a longtime sponsor of the Anderson Observer podcast and of the Anderson Observer news from people you trust. So if you think about it, tell them you heard about it on the Anderson Observer podcast. And finally, is one more reminder, if you haven't visited the Natural History exhibit at the Belton Museum, there's still time to view it. It's free. And this excellent exhibit could be the forerunner for what we hope will be the establishment of the South Carolina Museum of Natural History in Belton. Again, it's free and open to the public and more information is available on Facebook or you can see it on the Anderson Observer News from People You Trust daily calendar. Well, that's it for this week's Anderson Observer News from People You Trust. Join me next week for a recap of County Council, public hearings, news, interviews with all the candidates for Anderson County uh, Council District 2 seat and more. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. A shadow across the blue mile.
and remember.